This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the latest episode of Alpaca Tribe Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about waiting for the expected. In a previous episode, we talked about expect the unexpected. But today, I want to talk to you about career births. Our first career arrived 11 years ago as a textbook delivery. Knowing what to look for didn't make it quicker or easier, but eventually we got better at interpreting the signs but they still fool you sometimes. Career birthing time is one of my favourite times of the year. It also comes with a frisson of both excitement and anxiety. What if I miss it? Are Dam and Career going to be okay? Have I got everything ready? Familiarity from numbers of births helps to lessen the anxiety a bit about will I get it right? Will I know what to do? It doesn't lessen the excitement though, at least not for me. We've had just under 60 Kriya now over the years, small scale compared to some of you bigger and more experienced breeders, I know, but it's been a great ride. Each one has been special in its own way. Some have been hard-won births with difficulty and complications, though most have been straightforward. All have been expected. Well, apart from a few, which I will tell you about in another episode. The new mums, particularly some of the first-timers, surprised me and maybe themselves, by being really good at it. Natural maternal instincts can be strong, and they do all of the right things. Some need time to adjust. I told you the story of Maya in the last episode, missing at birth. She wasn't really lost, it was just I hadn't found her. But maybe her mum had lost her, anyway. Dear old Owenna, daughter of Owen, such a lovely big alpaca with gentleness mixed with feist and spirit. Maya has done really well and is now happily thriving in her new home. Because I didn't get to her immediately, and she had sat for a while on some damp hay behind the hay feeder, she developed a bit of an infection around the umbilical cord, which turned into a small abscess. We dealt with it at the time, but her fleece, fluffy white and long, grew and covered up the redevelopment of an abscess in the same place. It was quite a lump when I found it. Anyway, we had the vet come and sort it out again, and tried valiantly but forlornly to apply and retain a dressing. Can you imagine? All that fleece, all that wriggle. In the end, she spent the summer wearing a coat we used for newborns that has a belly protection strip. It meant the wound was pretty open to the air, and dried up nicely, but it didn't get reinfected every time she cushed on the ground. Amelia is a character, aren't they all? And we have something of an understanding. She's one of our older females, and most of the time she interprets my intentions correctly as good and trying to help. Sometimes she feels the need to protect her career, or everyone else's, from a madman with a syringe. I don't think she's a great believer in clostridial vaccinations, or much else that involves taking hold of her precious career. Amelia is a dancer and a talker. Regularly she bounces over 
and prances nearby to me to show just how broad she is when viewed side-on, along with clucking noises. I understand the posturing, and generally that's all it is, a friendly reminder that she's a protector. Have you noticed how different members of the herd will take on different roles? Anyway, as I said, Amelia is also a talker. When she's a couple of days or even a couple of weeks away from giving birth, she starts talking to her unborn career. Hums and clucks increase in intensity and frequency until the birth. Here she is in action. For clarity, the deep voice is the Korea. This humming and calling to her baby continues incessantly throughout the first day and into the night. One year she gave birth at the time of the Leonid meteor showers. My wife Sue and I went out into the dark to see the display and watched as they streaked across the night sky to a background accompaniment of hums. Last year, Betsy, a first-time mum, got slightly panicky every time she saw me enter the field and tried to head away on the opposite direction, calling her young son after her. She eventually relaxed, but for quite some time I had to make sure I fed her away from the stable because she just would not come down if I was there. We're all friends now, and she got over it after a few weeks. I think they understand intent, even if the natural urge to protect is there too. Another first-timer, at the point of giving birth, and the front legs starting to emerge, came over to the fence where I was standing looking towards me for help and reassurance. An amazing privilege. Mind you, others take them to the top of the hill and even into the trees trying to not let me see. The problem is that it's enough of a challenge for a career to stand up anyway without throwing in a steep slope. Usually I have to go and scoop them up and lead the mum down the hill, grumbling at me so we can get onto flat ground where the career can learn to stand up and find the milk bar. Once unceremoniously dumped on the ground, the mum will sniff and show interest in it, but not engage in cleaning like some animals. Grazing suddenly returns to the fore as the mum gets back to making milk. Meanwhile, the career, usually with great interest from the rest of the herd, will wriggle and try to gain enough coordination to get to phase one, the sit, or more correctly, the cush. All of the thrashing around trying to gain control of these unwieldy limbs will rub off the thin membrane that encloses their fleecy bodies during birth. Our free-range hens used to love that bit and run off with their prizes of little bits of membrane, trying not to share them with the other hens. Within a few minutes, the career will have struggled to a sitting or cushed position with their legs gathered underneath them and will then sit there shivering. I used to worry about this in the early days. Even in really good warm weather, they shiver and shake. All normal. 
Usually, during this process, the mum is in close attendance, grazing around their cushed crea with encouraging hums and murmurings. The next phase is to try to stand, mostly a spectacular failure, launching and lurching, still trying to control their new limbs. Often they manage to get a leg at every corner, splayed and trembling, but they are upright. I'm standing. You want more? Next comes the fall and the reattempt, and the reattempt, and probably the reattempt. It's not long, though, before the staggering drunkenness begins to look more steady. And then the hunt begins. I hear the milk bars open. Can anyone tell me where I might find it? This is usually accompanied with lip-smacking and much puckering. They start exploring the mum in search of, well, what they just know is there. In most cases, they seem to start searching at the front of the body, near the head or neck. That's the wrong end, just in case you were unclear. And then work their way around and down and back. The mum's job is to basically stand still and let them learn the slow way. They make their way to the right area. And now comes the challenge of controlling long legs and long necks at the same time to get them down and under. It's amazing the way that position, which produces something of a swan neck, results in diverting milk to the right stomach compartment, the one that allows newborn crea to digest the milk. Sip feeders by nature, the little and often approach. The odour does not produce high volume of milk, but a steady flow is usually available when required. The telltale milk moustache is particularly evident for the darker coloured creas, but it's worth checking for all of them as a shepherd's reassurance that they are getting milk. In no time, the creer are tiptoeing around, almost like the sensation of ground under their feet is so strange they need to minimise it. Their feet seem to glide across the ground, just pitter-patter, pitter-patter, with them hardly touching it. During creer watch season, it's good to check on them regularly. I usually have a quick look hourly, or sometimes more frequently, if there are signs. Some of the expectant mums freeze whenever they see me. Hermione is one of them. She looks at me, looking at her, and we look at each other, and she just stands there staring back at me, staring at her. And eventually, I'll busy myself doing something else, or I'll move off, and she'll relax and move on to a bit more grazing. But she knows, she knows absolutely that I'm watching her. Here he is again. He's here. He's come back again. He's watching me. My mother-in-law, who lived with us from the start of our alpaca journey, used to join in the Korea watch with great gusto. Sometimes, binoculars in hand, she would send me a text message or phone me to say, I think something's happening. I'd go back with a, which one? And she'd come back with the answer, a white one. There are many of those, so it didn't help narrow it down much. Uh, Sometimes... She was actually watching one that wasn't pregnant anyway. To help the helper, I started adding blue spots so we could tell which of the females was meant to be under observation. On one occasion, the watcher had to turn midwife, and I tried to guide and encourage from 50 miles away, where I was shearing for someone else, and an early arrival had caught me out. She was always very proud of her achievement in being there for that birth. As you wait... For the expected. Active inactivity. 
It's a lovely time for herd-watching. They're great time-wasters. Though, of course, it's not a waste. If you are currently in the middle of career watch, I hope you are in the right place at the right time and enjoy the excitement without too much anxiety. Now, what should we call this gorgeous bundle of fleece who's just arrived? Boy or a girl, both welcome, and counted as belonging by the rest of the herd. Hmm. I think she looks like a Megan to me. That concludes another of our shorter summer episodes. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for being with us and appreciate you being part of the Alpaca Journey. If you liked it, please share it. This is the Alpaca Tribe. And I'm Steve Hetherington.